Then the mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, flutes, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of the saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. Hallelujah. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of a rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our, Lord Jesus, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angels said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wonderful. Uh, well, today's title is God's Kingdom Remains Forever, so why don't we turn to our neighbour and just uh, tell them that God's Kingdom Remains Forever. Alright, is anyone familiar with how long forever is? It's a very long time. It's uh, a very long time indeed. And today we're just having a glimpse, we're just quickly glimpsing in at three chapters in the book of Revelation. Chapters 17, 18 and 19. And God's kingdom, of course, is the one that remains. So we must ask ourselves, where is Rome? Where is the greatness of the Roman Empire? Surely you've heard some stories or history about Rome, its military power, its leaders, Caesar, all its worship of its false gods. Where is it? It's gone. Rome is no more. Its time has come. The great Roman Empire is really just some rubble. What about the other great empires of the past? 
in this graph, we see some of the, the largest in terms of land area. The greatness and prestige of the, the British Empire or the Mongol Empire or the Russian Empire or the Spanish Empire. Even the French Empire. There's many listed there. Where is their prestige? Where are their leaders? Where are these wealthy empires? They've come and they've gone. They are no more. Their greatness has not lasted. Nothing. What about the Babylonian Empire? That great strength that came in and captured Jerusalem. The ones that came and destroyed the temple. The ones that treated God's people as slaves. Took them away into Babylon. Where is their false worship of their false gods? Their empire has gone. It came and went so quickly. Indeed, you can go to the capital Babylon now and you can see some rubble. There's not much to see there. Because the reminder is every earthly empire fails. It comes to life and then it goes again. Sort of blown away in the winds. Each of these empires has been full of sin. Greed, pride, injustice. There is no earthly empire that has been perfect. Even the British Empire that was based on Christian values at times was by no means perfect. These kingdoms come and go. But God's kingdom remains forever. We see in these chapters of Revelation the reference to Babylon. Babylon the Great. And last week it was already declared what was happening to Babylon the Great. Facing the fury of God's wrath. And now we turn to chapters 17 and 18. Full of description and imagery about Babylon's coming down. It was so great, but now it is no more. It's like a repeat If we didn't get the message the first time, it is now repeated for us that Babylon is fallen. What is Babylon? Some people try to say it's the Roman Empire. And in some ways, it was the Roman Empire, but it's more than that. It's the image of earthly power that cares nothing for God. Babylon is a picture with its prostitute of luring people in for worldly pleasure. The picture of earthly power, earthly prestige, earthly luxury, earthly wealth. But does it last? No. That's a clear message. And a point that I want us all to take today is don't just blindly follow what's going on around us. The blind leading the blind. And where do they fall? Tell me. Jesus taught this, the blind lead the blind, where do they fall? Into a pit or a ditch, whatever you want to call it. The blind, if we're blind to the ways of God, if we just follow the crowd along, if we walk around with some sort of blindfold around our our eyes, where does it take us to? It takes us to a place of trouble, a place of great trouble. Imagine if your allegiance was to Babylon. 
then we would be the blinds leading the blinds. Imagine if we, as people who claim allegiance to God, looked just like the people around us. If we spend our money on what everyone else spends our money on. If we live just as everyone else lives. If we just get on board with what everyone else is doing. If we blindly follow the crowds, then the reality is is that we're just blindly joining in with Babylon. We're We're joining in with these earthly powers. And so quickly our allegiance will turn from God onto the things that don't last. And the things that don't last are headed up by Satan himself. He's the one that claims allegiance over Babylon. But it will not last. And we need to get the light of Christ into us, not have this blindfold on. And in chapter 17, before our reading, The promise is is that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings is returning. Jesus will come back and Jesus will triumph. Verse 14 makes it clear. Jesus the Lamb will triumph. It will be no contest at all. Jesus will come back and He will win. He will triumph. We were singing about that before. Jesus is God the Son. And He is coming. He will be Lord of all. And then we see these words against Babylon. Verse 7 to 8. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts. I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. God's justice is coming along Babylon. Last week the image was of a strong earthquake destroying Babylon. Here we see the consuming of fire as God brings about His destruction, as He judges the wickedness. And the so-called luxury, the so-called glory of Babylon, their boasting, that image of that, that prostitute calling people in, all of that will be judged by God. It will be set right. And then, to make it 100% clear, verse 10, Terrified at her torments, they will stand far off and cry, Woe! Woe to you, great city! You mighty city of Babylon! In one hour your doom has come. A picture here of complete destruction. Torments. People having great distress. That's what woe means, great distress. Because the onlookers, those that see this destruction of this earth they mourn, they cry because they had become wealthy from Babylon. They liked what they were getting from this evil system. But it has been judged and it is no more. And so I need a volunteer now. I've got something to reveal, as promised. Who would like to come forward and be a volunteer today? 
and to have a look and see what's inside my tin. Maybe I'll call on Jono, who's about to fall asleep there. Jono, come forward. He's had a big holiday. He's very relaxed. The heat is on. What is it? Fishing line? And what's on the ends? A hook. All right. Would you like that in your mouth? <laughs> All right. Tell me what you see in this picture up here. Mm. It's a fish. And what's in front of it? Okay. Very good. Thank you. A fishing hook, a lure, looks good, does it? Just dangling there in the picture. That's what temptation is, isn't it? Just take that bite, join in. It looks so good. But what happens when that fish takes that lure? Caught. Caught and pulled where? Where he doesn't want to go onto land, probably. Fish out of water. Probably end up on someone's dinner plate. Good choice, bad choice. Looks so tempting just hanging there. And yet, isn't that the pull for us to join in with Babylon? Isn't that for us to conform to this world? Who cares about God and His ways? There's such an easy path in front of us that everyone else is going in. Well, the reminder is us, don't be blind. Don't take the baits. Don't just put that hook in your mouth and get pulled along with Babylon that ultimately leads us to a place of destruction. No. Because as chapter 18 finishes, chapter 19 comes. And there is a much better picture. A picture of a wedding. A wedding is coming. In contrast to the distress of Babylon and the loss, all that mourning, what do we see in heaven? We see a roar, a great roar, a multitude of people roaring with worship in heaven to God. It's a picture a bit like the crowd winning uh, that big sports game and that roar that goes up in the stadium. We see in heaven a roar of praise to God for His greatness. The roar that sounds. Verse 6 and 7. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like pearls of thunder shouting. What were they shouting? Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him the glory. This is something to rejoice about. This is something to give glory about. God reigning. Multitudes in heaven giving Him the glory. And why as the multitude of praise go up, that roar of praise? For the wedding 
of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear and the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. You and me as God's people, we have a wedding to look forward to. The wedding bells are ringing, aren't they? Can you hear them? Jesus, the Lamb, is going to get married to His church. A wonderful picture for us to look forward to. We, as God's people, have been saved by Jesus. We have been given new clothes to wear. But the reality is, is that we need to put those clothes on and to live out that righteous life now. It's been given to us, but we need to embrace those clothes and step into it. A new way forwards, a way where we live for God. And what will we stand in that wedding on before Christ? It'll be our righteous acts. Have you ever been to a wedding before? Have you ever been to the preparations before a wedding? Because we are actually in a period of engagement now, or we're, we're betrothed. Uh, wedding is coming. Tell me, does a bride prepare for her wedding? Is she focused for what is to come? What does she do? What are some things a bride might do in preparation for the wedding? <laughs> Noah's got something here? No. Nothing. <laughs> Yes, they get, they get the celebration, they go to all the appointments and get the clothes ready and the, the dinner party ready. It's all the preparations come. The perfect white dress, most of the time. <laughs> yes, that's right. Apparently, men need coaching all the time. We couldn't exist before we were married. Okay. But the picture is, is that we're going to get married to Jesus. Then shouldn't we be get ready for that wedding? Shouldn't we actually embrace those tasks that he's put before us? Putting on our gifts and abilities in terms of serving others using all that God's blessed us with to serve, to living a righteous life. And what I love about the wedding image is that once you're married, it's a new start, it's a new way forward. In, in life, a husband and wife come together, becoming one for a new life, ahead together. And so too, we, as we come together with Christ, will have a new existence, a new way forward in Jesus in life. But as we await his return, may we put those clothes on. And the reminder in these passages as well is that Jesus is coming. He will return. We're starting to get that imagery repeated time and time again now. That Jesus is coming back. Jesus, the one who rides on the white horse now. The imagery of the lamb is now changed to be an image of a powerful rider, one who is called faithful and true, 
His eyes are like blazing fire. He has many crowns on his head. His robe has been dipped in blood. That could either be his blood from the cross or it could be the blood of the saints, the persecuted church. We see here the word of God and we see a sword that comes out of his mouth. This strong imagery of Jesus is more like chapters 1 of Revelation or 1 to 3. A strong picture of the risen Jesus as he returns. And it says here in verses 15 and 16, it says, Jesus treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Has anyone ever heard that title for Jesus before? King of kings and Lord of lords. That is a rightful title for Jesus Christ. He is returning in his great power and he will be victorious. He is coming to squash all that is evil. Last week we talked about Armageddon. Armageddon, when the forces of evil come together against the forces of good and we see Jesus coming riding on his white horse with this army of horse behind him. And who wins? Jesus wins. He never loses. Jesus wins. Verse 20 makes that very clear. The beast was captured, and with it the false prophets. These, of course, stand for what is evil, Satan and his followers, who performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Jesus returns, he wins, the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the fiery lake. Jesus is the victor, he returns, he comes back and he wins. The call here, of course, is to look to Jesus, the victor, and to trust in him. To remain on the winning sides. Indeed, why would we blindly follow Babylon? Why would we blindly choose evil when we see such a bleak future? Evil has no future in the future. Jesus, when he comes back, will set everything right. These words from Hebrews, I think, summarize it so well. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. What a beautiful picture we see. God's kingdom remains forever. It cannot be shaken. Jesus will return, and when he returns, it will be like a consuming fire. All that is unjust, all that is evil, all that is wrong with this world will be consumed in that fire. But what remains are those that remain faithful to Jesus, and we will be with him forever. Let us keep holding on to Jesus.
Let us remember that He is the winning side. Let's stick with Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to praise You today. We come to thank You for the wonderful richness of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank You for the promises for the future. We thank You that Jesus will come back and set everything right. Help us, Lord, to be careful this very day, not to just blindly go along with the crowd. Help us to live for the kingdom of God now and to embrace your greatness in our lives. So we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen.